My name is Adam. I'm the lead communicator here, and we are continuing with part two of our four-week series called It's Not In There. And what we're doing throughout these four weeks is we are taking a look at some things that we've heard or people have told us are in the ancient scripture, but at the end of the day, as we've kind of done our research and unpacked that, we realize the things that people have told us are in there actually aren't. And today, when I kind of put the one up that we're going to talk about, it's going to kind of blow your mind a little bit because I guarantee you, if you've been around church for any amount of time, or maybe you haven't, and you've just interacted with a church person or someone who, you know, claims to know God, you've probably heard this saying. You've probably heard this from time to time. And I really want to unpack this with you and make sure that we have clarity about what this means. So before I kind of start this, I want to tell you a little fact about myself. And here's what you need to know. I'm very easily overwhelmed in life. I don't know if you are of the same way that I am, but I'm very easily overwhelmed. In fact, a lot of things kind of get to me and stress me out that might not stress other people out, right? I have anxiety in some social situations when things aren't lining up the way that at least I think they should line up. I have some anxiety in physical situations when things don't line up the way that I should. And overwhelmed emotions kind of happen easily for me. And so um, you may be of the same persuasion, maybe you're not, but... It doesn't really do well for my wife when my overwhelming emotions come out because it's not very easy to deal with. And so one of the things that you need to know about us is that Caitlin and I love to travel. We love to kind of travel in this country and to see the world. It's a little hobby of ours, but we love it. And really, it's become one of our things that we like to do the best. Well, I don't necessarily love foreign countries, and I don't necessarily love to visit them. It's not because they're not awesome or the people of that country are great and the culture isn't very interesting. It just takes me out of my comfort zone. I don't know where I'm going. Everybody doesn't always speak the language that I do. So what, do I, what happens? I get overwhelmed easily. And Caitlin has started to want to travel to Europe quite often. It's something that she really likes, and it took a lot for me to go. Well, our first trip to Europe, we stopped in Rome. We had a great couple of days, and then we went on to Bulgaria and did a couple of things there. And on the way back, we got stuck in Rome, and Hurricane Sandy was bearing down on New York City, and it canceled a couple of our flights, and it was a really, really miserable experience. I know being stuck in Rome sounds terrible to most people, but for us, after eight days and not knowing where your luggage is and that feeling of overwhelmedness, it was really unnerving to me as we were in that situation. Well, Caitlin subsequently said, I want to go back to Europe this year. And I was like, where do you want to go? And she's like, Paris. And I was like, oh, so I had to like work myself up to this. And I was like, okay, I will agree to go to Paris with you. I know that's something you really, really want to do. Uh, let's go to Paris. So Caitlin puts this entire itinerary together. We talked to one of our friends who was from France, and he helped us plan some really unique things because they knew Paris inside and out. We talked to some of our friends who worked for an airline, and they kind of told us about the airport, and helped us download an app for us to be able to see where we were going. And Caitlin had like everything laid out from the metro stops to where we were at and supposed to be and all this kind of stuff. And, and so we get there, and we get off the plane, and everything kind of seems to be going smoothly. 
We get our bags and we get on the train that takes us into the city. See, then we had to change trains though. And we had to actually go to another train and it would take us to the central station where we'd finally get on a train that would take us to our hotel. Well, I would like to put up a map of the Paris metro system and what it's like. And I, you might be able to understand why I had the feelings that I did in this moment. So stand by. Because here is the map of the Paris metro system, okay? Now, you've, I've never been here, neither is Caitlin, and here is the map. And we had to change trains at the station number 11, the largest station where every line intersects in the Paris metro system, station number 11, Châtelet. I don't know that's how you say it, but that's how I said it. Maybe that's why I was so confused, right? Now, this station number 11, okay, I mean, I'm going to try to describe this to you. Have you ever gotten furniture from Ikea? And, and you know like when they take you down to the bowels of the building for you to pick up the furniture at Ikea, and you got to like work your way through that maze, and inevitably you leave frustrated, like pulling your hair out because you don't have everything you need, and you swear I'll never go back there again? That's how I felt in this metro station, because it was seriously, from start to finish, like a maze. We had no idea where we were going. We were looking for different colors. We were looking for different numbers. We had where we were supposed to go. It was number six. But guess what? We couldn't find anywhere. Number six. And we approached the counter and talked to some nice French people and tried to ask directions for what we could do in our situation. We didn't understand what to do from that point, probably because I pronounced it chatelette or whatever. They didn't want to talk to me. So here I am. And I said to Caitlin, this is what I said. I said, I'm about to lose it. I said, I'm, about, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I'm about to lose it specifically because I don't like this already. I did this for you, so we're going to have to come up with a solution real quick. And she said, okay, we're going to try one last thing. Let's go around this corner. We'll see what's there. And it, it, I got to tell you, this is a picture of not exactly what we saw, but it was the closest thing that I could find. And I got to tell you, in this moment, I thought that it was over. Like I was going to try to send a text message home telling anyone who wanted my stuff they could have my stuff because we ain't getting out of this one, right? This is what we saw. And we were like the only two people standing here. And I was like, Kim, you got to get me out of here. I'm losing my mind. And so we actually looked for the nearest staircase up to the surface. And we went up to the surface and said, let's try our luck on the streets because this isn't working. Now, if you ever been overseas, you know you generally don't just go for a couple of days. You go for an extended period of time. So we had our bags with us that were filled to the brim with stuff because if you travel like my wife travels, you take your closet and wear three things that you've taken on that trip. And so we are literally now on the streets of Paris lugging our huge bags across the streets. And streets in Europe aren't like streets here. They're not flat concrete. They're bricks, right? So the whole time. And I looked at Caitlin and I said, I want you to know something. This is probably going to be my last trip to Europe right here. And she looked at me and she goes, let's just give it a chance. We finally, finally found our hotel that we walked over three miles to get to with those bags because we had no idea where we were going. And I was very overwhelmed. But a week earlier, I had heard a devotion. Now, if you don't know what a devotion is, a devotion is kind of like this and someone standing up here and giving a message it's generally shorter and there's a quick point to it and the title of the devotion i'll never forget it it was this god won't give you more than you can handle 
And everybody who was involved in this devotional said that God won't give you more than you can handle. And furthermore, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you're not kind of trusting him enough. And in, those, in that moment on the streets of Paris, I remember what I had heard about a week earlier. And I was extremely overwhelmed and about to lose my mind. And I thought to myself, wait a second. I thought God wouldn't give me any more than I can handle. So then why am I such a hot mess on this street? Like, why am I losing my mind here? When we got back from Paris, and by the way, we had a phenomenal trip. It ended up being great. We can't wait to go back. Um, that's what I say now. I'll probably postpone it a few months. But here's the deal. When, when I understood this, that I had been told this, I started to go back, and I started to look through the scriptures and look through the ancient text for this verse. I started to kind of go through it and really rip it apart and go, I've been told this so many times but here's the truth. I've never actually read it. And so I came to a conclusion after I unpacked that for a long time. Here's the conclusion I came to. It's not in there. Even though I've been told it time and time again, it's not in there. And I want you to understand something about that phrase. I want you to get something about it. It's not a bad phrase. Well, good-intentioned people have told me that throughout my life because they think it would bring comfort or they think it would kind of get me along. The problem with that kind of mentality is, is that if you actually dig through the scriptures, it's not in there. So if it's not in there, why do so many of us use it? Why do so many of us feel the need, especially those of us who have been around church for a while, to use that phrase with other people if it's not in there. Well, here's why. Because there is a phrase that's in there that is similar to God won't give you more than you can handle. And we confuse them quite often. See, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 13, it says this, and I want you to understand this so clearly. And by the way, guys, we did so much research on this message because it was so important to us to get this right because we feel like it's not been right before. So everything we've done has been researched to the T. And I just want you to tune in with me as we unpack the differences in that saying and what this verse says. Here it is. The temptations... Let's stop there just for a second. The things in your life that you're tempted to do that set you apart from God, sin, things that you shouldn't do, things that you know are wrong, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Basically, everybody experiences temptation on some level. And you're going to be tempted differently than you're going to and vice versa because we all have our own stuff that we deal with. And God is faithful. This is the verse. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Let's talk about temptations for a second. That verse says that when you are tempted, you have a choice. That God will give you a choice of whether to act on that temptation or whether to not act on that temptation. He has given us the power of choice in our life. Therefore, we have an out of that temptation if we take it. Here's what that verse doesn't mean, though, that I want you to know, and I'm going to talk to you about why. It doesn't mean God won't give you more than you can handle because this is what I want to make the very clear point on for you to understand. 
temptations, those things that we struggle with, those things that are sin in our life, those things that we kind of get to the edge with and go, should I cross that line or should I not? Should I do that or should I not? And we always kind of lean on making wise choices. What is the wise thing to do? But temptations are not life. There is a difference between the two of these things. And when people use the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, they confuse these two things. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Temptations. You have a choice. Whether to go forward or to not, that's your choice. You have a choice. Things in your life you don't always have a choice about. Things in your life can be overwhelming, and you don't even get to make a choice on if they're overwhelming or not. These things are different. So let me give you a couple of examples. Maybe you were married, and your spouse just decided to get up and leave and go be with someone else. And at the end of the day, you really didn't have anything to do with that. That was his or her decision. But I'll tell you this, your life was sure affected by that decision. Maybe somebody in your family struggles with alcoholism or drug abuse. Let me tell you something. You didn't make that choice for that person and you're not making it for yourself, but your life is affected by it. Maybe, just maybe, someone that you know, whether it was a friend or someone who is in your family, has killed themselves and committed suicide. And your life, even though you had nothing to do with that incident, is affected by it. And so often, because we confuse temptations and life and circumstances and what happens, people respond with the phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle. That phrase is only applicable to this and not this. But we use it for the most, for the most of times that I've heard it used, we use it for this. And that's where it gets wrong because it's not in there. It's not in there. I've scoured it cover to cover. It's not in there. And here's the deal. Good intentioned people, maybe even Christians, people who are part of the Jesus movement, who have good intentions when they say that are misunderstanding its use. And therefore we have misunderstood it for decades because at the end of the day, You've heard that phrase, and maybe when you've heard it, if you've been overwhelmed, it has even irritated you. Because I want to make a couple of points. Here's what I want to tell you. Life is overwhelming. If you don't know this, I'm not sure you're breathing air. Because we started to ask people, what do they get in life that overwhelms them? What happens to their life that makes it overwhelming? And here's what we did. We Googled it. And if it's on Google, it's true. So let me tell you what we found people said it was overwhelming in their life. They experience pressure from all sorts of angles. They experience pressure related to their job and their family and to do better. And, and because you got to remember this too, we are in the modern era of civilization. 
where things are different and we are getting communication quickly these days. We are working differently than we ever worked before. Your entire life is basically in a device on your hand that can go off at any time. Life is overwhelming. It's different than it used to be and people experience pressure. They also experience anxiety because of how the world is and things going on and the information that they get so quickly. They experience stress because of all of this. They experience worry. All this is kind of bound up into one big ball. And if it gets really bad, it can even lead to depression. And one of the things that we found was so, so just out there in terms of opinions of why people are overwhelmed, especially in life today, is because this is because they have an issue measuring up. They have an issue kind of figuring out, do I measure up to culture? Do I measure up to the world? Do I measure up to what my family wants them? And all of these things kind of into one big ball has left people overwhelmed. It's left me overwhelmed. But wait a second. Hold the phone. Someone said that God would never give me more than I could handle. Why am I overwhelmed? Because if that's true, if we experience this and God will never give us more than we can handle, then we have to draw two conclusions from that. We have to draw two conclusions from those two things if they're both true. And here's the two conclusions that we can draw. Ready? Because these are big and you need to understand them so clearly if we're going to understand this concept. Number one, God has let us down because he said that he would never give us more than we could handle, and we can't handle it. Therefore, how is he who he says that he was? He has let us down. Or, furthermore, we are weak. If we can't handle things, and he said that he would never give us more than we can handle, then we have to be weak, that we can't go about daily life. We're weak. Why would we want to even stay here? Here's the point about both of these two conclusions. Neither of them are true. Neither of these things are true or real because that phrase that you've heard throughout your life is not in there. It's not true. It's true related to temptations. He does give you a way out. It is not in there related to life, related to the things that you will go through. You will be overwhelmed in life. Well, if you don't believe that, just give me your attention for a second, because we started to think about all of the things that people have to do in life, all of the things that people have to do on a weekly or daily or even hourly basis. You ready? People have jobs. You have a job, more than likely, and you know the pressure of that job. You know you're pressured to do better, to advance, to make more money, to succeed, to go to work, generally all day, every day. And if you miss, you have someone to report to and be accountable to. Jobs are a big deal. How about your pets? You have a pet? I have a pet, and I have to tell you, she's overwhelming at times. I've cleaned up dog poop over and over, and she goes on planes with me, and she's even overwhelming there. But let me tell you something. I believe she has anxiety in her life because I have anxiety. Pets are overwhelming. How about sports? You play sports? Your kids play sports? You know how overwhelming those are to go to and to be at, especially if your kid isn't good at what you think that he or she should be good at, and you have to break that news to them? Overwhelming. How about laundry? You do laundry? 
I do laundry. It's brutal, right? Every single day I have to do laundry. How about your family? You have a family? I do. And we've talked a lot about family at Downtown Harbor Church and about how they can be overwhelming and how they are the people in your life who are the only people in your life. You don't get to choose if they're in your life or not. You think that's not overwhelming? Oh boy, it is. How about your spouse? You married? It's Valentine's Day. Let's move on. How about school, right? How about school? If you're in school, you understand how much pressure this is, how you have to homework assignments and have to go to the classroom, or even if you're online, you understand how much you have to do on a daily and weekly basis. And by the way, it's expensive, and it's the only debt the federal government will not forgive if you file bankruptcy. Chew on that. How about money? You worry about money? Yes, you do, because we all do. And then we try to make more of it. And then when we make more of it, guess what we do? We spend more of it. You overwhelmed? You stressed? I am Here's the point. Life in the modern era that I just described, life that exists is overwhelming. There's a lot for us to do. There's a lot for us to take care of. There's a lot for us to be responsible for. This is just the time and the culture in which we live in. And I've been overwhelmed. I've been stressed. And here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to understand so clearly. There will come a point in time in your life where you are overwhelmed. It will happen. It's not a, you know, if it will happen, in my opinion, it's a when it will happen. So don't think that you're exempt from being overwhelmed. Even if you're strong, even if you have it all together, it's going to come a point in time. And for most of us, when we're overwhelmed, it ends up getting ugly a little bit. Because some of us end up in a really bad place when we get overwhelmed. Because we don't deal with it. Because we don't bring it to the surface of our lives. And then some of us end up in a place where we're depressed. Where we actually feel worthless. Like we have nothing to live for. And that no one cares about us or we don't care about others. And here's what I want you to know. If you're there, it's okay. It's okay if you're there. Because most of us, at some point in time in life, will be there. I guarantee it. And it's okay to be that way. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay to be that way. It's just not okay to stay that way. And some of us stay that way for a long, long time. And then we feel like we have nothing to contribute. We have nothing to give back. Furthermore, because God told us he would never give us, give us more than we can handle, some of us even give up on him or church because we're in such a deep, dark place. So if you're there and you're in a deep, dark place because you've been overwhelmed, because you can't deal with those day-to-day -day emotions, because everything that you've dealt with has kind of beat you down, what do you do? We were talking with some friends last week from downtown Harbor, and they said one of the things that we love and you need to keep doing over and over again is to give people practical steps that they can take from your message and put into practice that afternoon or that next day that helps them implement what you're saying. So, it's not okay to stay that way, what do you do to get out of it? How do you fight? What do you do? 
Here's a couple of things that I think could help in an exponential way. For one, get help. Get some help. There are people out there who can help you if you're there, if you're so overwhelmed. I'm a firm believer from the bottom of my heart that you should, at least at some point in your life, experience counseling and what that can do for you from a third party. That's not shameful. It's not something you need to be embarrassed of. It is extremely helpful. I've been there, and if you're there where you need to fight to get out of something, don't be embarrassed of that. Do it. Second thing is this. Get it out. A lot of times when we're overwhelmed, we end up in a big, dark place. We tend to just let it stay with us, and we don't tell anybody about it specifically friends or people who care about us who might help us get out of it. And lastly, let your story help others. We've talked about stories here for the last couple of weeks before we started this series, and we talked about stories over time help shape someone's perspective in life. What about your journey through being overwhelmed could actually help other people? Let it so that others' lives can be changed. You've heard me from time to time talk about this guy named Paul. Paul wrote over half the New Testament in the ancient scripture. And Paul, in what I'm about to read, had a moment where he was having a vision. And he was interacting with God in the vision. And then it came a point where they were talking about being weak, being overwhelmed. And I want you to know what he has to say about that. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. Each time he said... Talking about God. My grace is all you need. My power works best in what? Weakness. Being overwhelmed. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Don't miss this. This is so important. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Being overwhelmed is okay, especially in the modern day era that we live. The scripture never talks about God not giving you more than you can handle. If someone tells you that, let that irritate you from this point forward because it's not in there. It's not in there. But here's what I do know. Here's what is in there. Life is overwhelming. But God has promised to never leave you, ever. Never promised that we wouldn't be overwhelmed, never. But Jesus, who is the only human incarnation of God to ever walk the earth, before his time on earth ended, he said something that confirms this. It is in there. I want to read it to you. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Always. Doesn't say there that we're not going to be stressed or overwhelmed. But he promised to never leave us. And I don't know about you. But I'm tired of hearing from Christians things that aren't in the scriptures that I need to do or understand in my life. I'm tired of it. That's why we're here at Downtown Harbor. 
for the first time trying to accurately represent what it says and to research it and present it so you and us together can understand it. And this is true. I've experienced it and Jesus told us the rest. But God won't give you more than you can handle. It's not in there. I've looked. So don't buy into it. But it'll always be with you. So lean on him. Depend when times get hard. Get help if you need to. Get it out. Let others be influenced by who you are and your story. And we just might begin to change the world around us. Let me pray for us.